there, welcome to the Blissful Bliss Podcast. I'm your host, Susanne Reike, here to help yoga and wellness entrepreneurs build a thriving online business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact and earn money online, you are in the right place. Each week you learn about websites, digital products, social media strategies, and what's working now to build your online business. And now let's get started. Have you been dreaming about organizing yoga retreats and traveling the world teaching what you love? Well, then you're going to love my conversation with Dagmar Spremberg from Montezuma Yoga in today's episode of the Blissful Biz podcast. Dagmar manages a yoga studio in Montezuma in Costa Rica, and she's also been running yoga retreats all over the world successfully for years. Today on the podcast, she's sharing her best tips and what to look out for when you're just getting started. I loved having her on the show as my first guest, and I'm so inspired by her grounded approach of running her business. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dagmar, and without further ado, here she is. Dagmar, welcome to the Blissful Biz podcast. Super excited to have you here as my first guest. Ooh. And <laughs> It actually seems fitting that um, that you are my first guest because I think you've been with me on this whole entrepreneurial journey right from the start, right? That's true. That's true. And I think you were one of my first retreat guests too. So we in, have quite a history. <laughs> in Ibiza, yes. And I met you in Costa Rica, actually, in your exactly. studio in Montezuma. And that was 2011. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we have history. Good. History. Yes, and it's been really exciting to follow your journey as well. And um, so I'm excited to chat with you and all the stuff that we are going to dive into. But before we can do, before we do that, can you introduce yourself quickly? So tell us a bit about your background and what has your yoga teaching journey been like? Good. I'm happy to do that. So I basically, um, my background is actually marketing and promotion. I used to be in the music business in Germany. And when I was 30, I kind of decided to change my life and jump and leave everything behind. And uh, I moved to Los Angeles. And that's where my yoga journey began. And first I was just doing yoga and uh, pretty soon found that yoga really was a beautiful philosophy for life, especially coming from Germany, where you learn that you have to really like find your way and uh, make things happen to then come into a place of actually just surrender, soften, things will fall into place was like a whole new um, philosophy for me. But things actually really started to fall into place the more I did my yoga practice. And um After like three and a half years in LA working with photographers, I moved to, L uh, moved to New York and I met Elena Brower, who was back then also just starting a kind of fresh teacher and just starting to teach um, at Om Yoga and then at the Movement Salon. And so we became quite close. I went to yoga like five days a week. And then I traveled to Costa Rica on vacation and fell in love. And that was a dream come true and to make a long story short um, 
I was trying to figure out how I could make a living in, um, in between Costa Rica and New York. So I walked to Elena Brower and I asked her if she was interested in teaching a retreat or hosting a retreat in Costa Rica together with me. So I would basically um, prepare everything and organize everything and she could just come and um, teach the retreat. And she was like, yes, let's do it. So uh, this was the beginning and uh, in between September 11 happened and kind of forced me in a good way to really let go of my attachment to New York and really jump fully into uh, moving to Costa Rica. And um, I was lucky to be basically one of the pioneers of yoga in Costa Rica. And I started Montezuma Yoga when there was no yoga basically around. And everybody thought I was kind of crazy because everybody was like, yoga, who cares about yoga? And um, yeah, then Elena came in 2001, November, and basically then encouraged me and said like, I know you're going to be an amazing teacher. Why don't you start teaching? And I was like, okay, why not? <laughs> I have nothing else to do. And so this is how it all kind of really fell into place which is what I love about the story because it's like I, I could have never planned this. If anybody would have said that to me 30 years ago, I would have thought they're crazy. But then, you know, with the right connections, everything fell into place and I've been teaching and hosting retreats in Costa Rica and the world ever since. And it's my favorite thing to do. That's so, um, I love your story. I mean, I've heard it before and it's so, um, yes, you're so right. It's like everything how things can flow and mm -hmm. fall into place. Um, I have one foundational question for you. What is it about teaching yoga that has always lit your fire, so to say? The connections that we can make and to really share my story because, you know, in my own life, I'm really lucky that I met people um, and met found yoga because um, it really, whenever I felt like, fell into a place of doubt or questioning, the yoga was really what always helped me and uh, supported me to get back on track and to find beauty and to keep looking for beauty. And as cheesy as that sometimes sounds, I think we always have a choice. Do we um, want to live our dream? This is our life. Or do we want to give in and kind of stay small and um, I'm so grateful for the people and the yoga that encouraged me to keep sharing what I believe in and to keep finding beauty and sharing beauty and encourage others to do the same. And I think the community of yoga is really all about that. It's really about supporting each other and, you know, and, and living life differently and not giving in to just like, uh, you know, um, the fear and, you know, thinking that we can't do what we really dream of and all these things. So I think yoga is a really beautiful practice to encourage us to live our dreams. That's beautiful, yes. Um, but I know that yoga can be, I mean, it's the real world, right? So you can have negative comments or feedback as well or, or doubt from others in, in regards to teaching yoga or doing retreats. Did that ever happen to you and how did you overcome that? 
Yes, of course. And I think especially now, um, there's so much competition out there and it, the yoga market it boomed so much. You know, I feel very lucky that I started it, you know, back then I was um, an Anusara inspired teacher when there was really like a small uh, community and it was much more about support. But I feel we're going back there because I feel after all these like overwhelm and over um, saturated yoga market, we're going back to collaboration. And, you know, in the end, there will always be people that maybe don't like what you do. But uh, I think there's there's a market for everyone and you just have to stick to your community, your tribe and the people that support you and and collaborate and keep going. And not really expect that everybody likes what you, um, you know, you don't have to please everybody. That's not what we're here to do. But if you have a story, share it and people will resonate. Yeah, I think that's something you really have to, to embrace that not everybody has to like you, that it doesn't matter if someone likes you. You know, like this quote, you can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world and there's still going to be someone who doesn't like peaches. Exactly. That's a beautiful quote. I never heard that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Dita Fantesa said that, actually. <laughs> that's a beautiful one. I love it. Um, so I think that's also like when you, that comes when you, with age. So one of the advantages that you don't care so much anymore about what other people think. You're more confident in going your, your way. Yeah, age for sure plays a role, but I think it's also really your practice because once you shift the focus from, you know, everybody else and outside, you know, what they think and, you know, to find that approval from the outside and you have more of like your own practice and connection to yourself and kind of feeling like your purpose or what you feel is your mission or however you want to call this, I think that makes it easier too because it's like, You know, I, I used to have moments where I'm like, oh, I want to be like Elena or I want to be like this person or I want to be like Rod Stryker and I want to be like perfect in anatomy and I should know all about philosophy. And it's like, you know, and then I realized, well, that's not really who I am and my gift is something else. And, you know, so then you just, yeah, you just keep doing your thing. And, and, and when you feel that people resonate, that also encourages you to just be you and be authentic and share what you have to share. Mm. So now your focus is on yoga retreats or is it still like mostly Montezuma yoga and running your studio in the jungle? Um, it's a good balance. I think most of the time, most of the year I spend actually in Costa Rica. So I'm about eight, nine months in Costa Rica. And then I go to Europe every summer. And it's a beautiful balance because my studio in Costa Rica um, is basically offering yoga packages. And we have, uh, I have two other teachers working with me. So it's a little bit less the experience of like a typical retreat. So we're more focusing on individual retreats and packages. And uh, it's very transient. So I have my studio, it's community, people come and go, there's locals, there's tourists, maybe like you experience it in Bali. And as much as I love that, when I go to Europe and teach my retreats, I'm really, really happy because then I really teach a retreat that's like, a week-long retreat and it's only me teaching together with my partner who plays the hung 
Um, and we have the steady group of people so we can dive deeper and we eat together and we have activities together. We go hiking, do all kinds of things. So it's really nice to have these two um, possibilities and they're like, you know, complementing each other. So how many retreats do you um, do each year normally? Just to give people like a little bit um, context about your experience. Um, well, when I come to Europe, I usually teach two of my own retreats. And then I started also teaching for another place where I don't have to bring the guests. I started teaching at Mandali in the north of Italy. I love this place. And I, uh, I taught there last year and I'm going to go back again this year in July. And I'm sure I'm going to make that a thing every year. And, uh, it's also a nice balance because I don't have to bring my own clients and they have. Uh, they're just amazing. So, um, yeah. So then I just go and be one of the teachers for them. I think that's going to be interesting for some listeners, how you made that happen, actually. Okay. Well, basically, like with all the places, and that's something I always have kind of a vision of like, what kind of places I like to visit. Like, for example, I've been dreaming of going to Iceland. So then I was thinking, of course, I'd love to do a retreat in Iceland because... I want to go there. And uh, for two years, I've been looking on all kinds of websites, like your website with the Happy Yoga Travels and Book Yoga Retreats, kind of for places in Iceland. And, um, and I couldn't really find anything that resonated. And um, after two years, then I finally found a place in the north and a Swiss guy who's hosting retreats there. And then I contacted him and I said, I really would like to come and teach here. And so Mandali was a little bit similar. I actually went two years ago on a retreat at Mandali as a guest with Elena Brower. And, um, and, ba and basically Jen loved the place. And I just went to them and I said, I would love to teach here. And I was thinking to teach my own retreat. But when I started talking to them, they actually offered and said, well, you know, we also have our own so-called Mandali experience. And we also hire guest teachers. And would you be interested in doing that for us? So what I want to say is basically you find these places where you would like to go, you do your research, and then you just have to ask for it. Like I have people that come to Costa Rica and they're like, oh, I dream of doing a retreat in Costa Rica. And then I say, well, let me help you organize it, you know? So it's like, have your vision of like places you would like to go and then find the people that can make it happen with you. Yeah, I think it always comes back again to collaboration and community, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. And be clear also like what type you want to offer. And there's so many different ways you can do retreats, you know. So it's good to be clear. <laughs> so um, if you're a yoga teacher planning your first yoga retreat, what are the most important steps and things to look out for? Well, first, I think it's very important to be clear what you want to offer, like what you are visualizing, because that really depends, makes the, the location important. Because if you are, for example, looking to do a yoga and surf retreat, you wouldn't necessarily choose Greece or Italy as a location because there's no surfing there. So you would go to Costa Rica because there's surfing here. If you are somebody who loves nature and who loves hiking, Maybe you want to go to Norway or Iceland because it's wonderful hiking there. 
If you want to just offer yoga by the beach, then you might go to a place like Ibiza or Formentera or Greece where you have gorgeous places right on the beach. So be very clear about what is your passion. Do you want to be active or do you want to relax? What is it that you would like to offer in your retreat? And once you are clear about that, then you can choose your location depending on your target. So what kind of guests you have. And, uh, and that is really the most important thing because what is, you know, what is your clientele? Are you teaching, for example, at a local yoga studio? Do you have a big following already? Do you have a mailing list with uh, 2,000 people or something um, that you can reach out to? How are you going to find your people? For me, for example, it was clear from the beginning, I have my studio in Costa Rica with a lot of tourists coming from all over the world. So for me, being German as well, it makes sense to also offer retreats in Europe because I know a lot of people are based in Europe that are following me and they'll be happy if they don't have to always come to Costa Rica to see me. So if you are, for example, a yoga teacher in the US and you have a local following Maybe then, and it's your first retreat, maybe then pick a location that is not too far away. Like, for example, maybe don't go to Bali because it's a lot of expense to travel to Bali. It's a very uh, long trip to go to Bali. Maybe you've never been to Bali. You don't know what to expect. So maybe stay um, close to uh, the U.S. There's many beautiful locations even in the U.S. where you can start with a weekend retreat maybe if you're not sure how it feels. Or you go to a place like Costa Rica that's easily traveled to. Like from Florida, you go two and a half hours to Costa Rica. From New York, it's five hours. So, um, you know, so being really clear on like what kind of students do you have? Um, where would they go with you? How far would they travel with you? How much money do do they have that I think is very important that's a good point yes um do you have any tips to share on how to budget your yoga retreats um yes of course because there's many different types of locations there are very fancy villas that you can rent for example um the one that I'm renting now in Ibiza um, but it's quite a risk because those kind of places that are more like luxury, will ask you for a pretty high deposit. So you have to be really sure that you can fill it because you might have to pay 2,000 or 3,000 euros in advance to just reserve the week. And, uh, and they don't care if you don't fill it because you're still going to have to pay for the whole place, which can easily be like $12,000 for the week. It sounds a lot, but if you bring 15 people, then you can calculate it um, per person. And uh, so if you know that, oh, this might not be the people that I have, they might not want to go to Ibiza and pay so much, then maybe find a place like, for example, my place in Costa Rica, where you have expenses of like um, for food and, and uh, hotel of like, you know, $700, $800 for the week. And then you add your own fee on top. So this will make it much more uh, reasonable for people to come. And it's also cheaper to fly maybe to Costa Rica if you're in America than to fly to Europe. So this is how you budget the retreat. You first kind of find the type of place and write to a couple of places and see um, how much it's going to be, the expense per person just for accommodation and me uh, meals. And then you add 
the travel. If it's like, you know, really complicated to get there, like I did a retreat in Morocco, for example, it's not so easy and not so cheap to fly to Morocco from all over the world. So, you know, then budget in how much flights will be for your clients. And then, of course, it's also important how you budget yourself and what you feel you need to make. So some places, for example, they offer a complimentary stay for the yoga teachers if you bring a certain number. Some people, some places don't. So all these are little nuances that can make a big difference in the success of um, your experience leading the retreat. Especially if you are new, I would always recommend going for something um, that is not super exclusive and expensive. Mm. Do you also um, budget marketing costs? For example, when you use a tool like Book Yoga Retreats? Um, yes, I, I, I wouldn't book the whole, re or like I wouldn't want to fill the whole retreat with Book Yoga Retreats. Um, these are like platforms that charge uh, 15% commission. And for example, in my retreats in Ibiza, where they would charge 15% of the whole package, like the accommodation, everything I pay, um, it's a lot of money that goes out because, you know, the villa doesn't pay me the 15% commission. So it's all coming out of my budget. So I always just then keep maybe two, three places that I consider filling with book yoga retreats. But I try to mainly budget really in a sense that I don't have to pay commissions or don't have to pay extra advertisement and to really um, plan the retreat with what I have. So like what my students are able to pay, what flights are costing and what the actual cost is for accommodation, meals and my own fee. Yeah, I mean, you've been running retreats successfully now for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And I know you have like a healthy email list and social media following and probably a lot of word of mouth recommendations too and people coming back, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know that, that that's of course harder for someone who's just starting out. They don't necessarily have that. Um, mm -hmm. What's your experience? Because I know one yoga teacher and she really filled her retreats with just being very active on Instagram stories and um, on, in Facebook groups. What's your experience with that? It's really, I, I have not figured that out, to be honest. <laughs> I'm really surprised always how people find me and what it is that leads them and which post makes them respond. You know, sometimes I, I remember once I did a yoga and wine retreat in California and I just sent out a newsletter and I filled the whole retreat with 13 spots within one week. Wow. And I was like, whoa, but it was a three day retreat and it was all people from like, you know, Southern California or like San Francisco area. And they were just happy that I was doing a retreat in America. And I was like, wow, that was so unexpected. And then I hosted a retreat last year in Italy and it was the hardest ever to sell because somehow, I don't know, I thought Italy, everyone wants to go to Italy. Everybody wants to drink wine and have a yoga and wine retreat. And no. It wasn't like that. So you never know. And I did so much marketing for it. And, you know, for me, I have not really found the formula how to market your retreat. It's, it's a lot, you know, putting yourself out there, sharing, um, giving free offerings and, um, yeah, sending out your newsletters. I mean, you always um, are so good with, like, encouraging people to do that. 
uh, I think it's very important, but it's not a guarantee. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes I send out newsletter over newsletter with my retreats and nobody responds. And then mm-hmm. I make one Facebook post and all of a sudden three people say like, I want to sign up. And you're like, oh, so <laughs> I, don't, I haven't found like the formula. I wish I would. <laughs> Well, you have in a way, you're just like repeating what works, for example, your retreats in Ibiza. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's kind of a formula too. And of course, your experience that you're just like, um, I guess you're not, you know, like you're not like putting out 10 completely new retreat locations in one year. No, that's true. I always stick to one that I know is selling well, like Ibiza I've been doing for like eight years or something. Mm -hmm. And in different places in Ibiza. So I play with that, but I know Ibiza people always like to go. I love to go. And then I always add one new location like Morocco or Iceland or Greece, or this year it's going to be Formentera, which is already sold out. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's fun. But I think it's really more important to really go by um, the conditions. Like for example, my place in Costa Rica is really easy to host a retreat because I know how hard it can be for a new teacher to pay $2,000 in advance without knowing if you can fill the place and bring 15 people. So that's why, for example, my place where my studio is located, the hotel will not a secluded resort. You don't have to fill the whole place. I have sometimes teachers who bring only five people and it's fine because we fill the other rooms with our individual yoga Um, travelers and so there's less pressure and I'm only asking for example a $500 deposit Um, so the risk is very low you can really just be like okay I'll give it a try and see if it sells or not and if in the end I only go with five people that's okay it's not the pressure I'm not gonna have like a minus of $5,000 that I have to pay out of my own pocket yeah that would definitely be a great place to start your first retreat when you're based in the US and you want to go to Costa Rica. And it's beautiful. I can attest to that. <laughs> it's <laughs> a really you. beautiful place, Montezuma. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I can only speak for myself because this is one example. I don't know how many people out there are really willing to work like that, but I'm sure. And again, the other option is if you're not sure if you can fill your retreat, then find places or find organizers who basically do retreats and hire teachers Mm. like Mandali. I know when I go to Mandali, they have like 30 people in my retreat and, you know, I'm going to make less money because of course they make the bigger chunk of the money, but I'm going to have a beautiful experience. I love the place and I'm happy to go there. There's also a place in Costa Rica, for example, Anamaya, and they always fill their retreats and they hire different teachers. So if you're not sure if you can bring a lot of your own people, maybe find places online that hire teachers and where you can bring your own people, but they will also help you promote the retreat. So when you're reaching out to these places that you like, ask them if they're going to help you promote your retreat, if they have regular guests that will come, or if you are the only one that's responsible to fill the retreat. So always ask for their policies for the cancellation policies how much you know you have to put down and this will already give you um you know a good sense of the place and if if it's the right place for you or not and then there's also um organizers like i think soul yoga trips or 
global flow retreats, play, um, people like that who are retreat organizers that collaborate with teachers and then go to different locations. So they don't have their own retreat place, but they're like a really good marketing um, yoga travel company who hire teachers to, you know, run experiences. Mm. So it's, it's, you have to do your research. And, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time just like researching all these different kind of options. I can imagine, yes. And you've talked that you offered um, wine and yoga retreat. And I think that was, a, that was already a while ago. And from my experience, it seems to be the trend that it's not like a normal, simple yoga retreat anymore. Like everything has to be something special and something added on like yoga and hiking or yoga and surfing or yoga and wine. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> my, like I said, my that's what I thought. That's why I thought I'm going to offer a yoga and wine retreat. So funny enough, from the people that came, in the end, nobody wanted to drink wine because two women, first of all, were pregnant and they came with girlfriends who then sympathized with their friends and said, well, my girlfriend cannot drink wine, so I'm not going to have any either. And on top of it, you know, we were in such a beautiful location and they had such a nice uh, spa and the pool. And I had thought we would go and explore these like wineries and nobody wanted to leave the property even. Everybody was like, oh, I just want to read my book and chill. And I was like, oh, this is funny, a yoga and wine retreat where nobody really wants to <laughs> drink wine or go and look at a wine winery, you know. So um, I don't know. You know, for me, it's like I think in the end it's really – the space that you hold for people, that's the most important. You know, if you have a message that you share with, you know, what you're offering and people get kind of sense your energy and what it's going to be like, the experience to travel with you, in the end, that's really what's going to sell it. And the best way you, you share that is by what you offer in your newsletters, what you offer if you make videos or if you you know like youtube videos for example with practices i have a lot of youtube videos and people really resonate with that and i always have people come to my retreats because of my videos and because they kind of get an idea of my teaching you know and it's the same for me i i'm always amazed how people book yoga retreats and not even knowing anything about the teacher because to me but i am a teacher if i would go on a retreat, I would, of course, research what style of yoga it is, what the teacher is offering, what his experience is, etc. Yes. So, so you have to resonate with that, I think. And so in that sense, it's really important, I think, that we are authentic with what we're sharing and how we're sharing, and then people really can connect to that. And then yeah. it doesn't really matter if you're hiking or if you offer a wine retreat or if you offer... I don't know what the sailing retreat, because in the end, people want to be with you and have that experience with you no matter where you go. And then they think, oh, cool, Dagmar is going to Morocco. That might be fun. Let's go there with her instead of to Ibiza or whatever. I love that. I love that. I mean, it's what I always teach as well, that you have to put yourself out there and um, don't be afraid to be vulnerable and, um, yes, make videos and everything. Mm -hmm. to show yourself so people can connect to you yeah i, I think that, that message about connection and community 
Well, that's what I learned, you know, and really be real because I think, you know, with all the Instagram, we all look so glamorous on Instagram and the reality can be so different. And, you know, and the more people really get a feeling for you and the way you hold space, et cetera, I think that's really what's most important. And to be human, you know, I mean, you don't want to be like the yogi star that just wants to be admired by the 15 people coming on a retreat, but nobody can talk to you because you're like busy keeping your star attitude or something. You know, I mean, who wants that? So, you know, you have to be real and people, you know, want to also like, you know, be inspired by, by you. So I think that's a big part. Yes, I think so too. And um, I know, I think you have it really worked out as well to keep your boundaries at that, at least that's what I remember from when I was on your retreat in Ibiza, because you don't want to be there for your guests 24 hours and be responsible for like changing a light bulb in their room and everything, right? <laughs> exactly. No, absolutely not. And uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I love to share and I love to go on hikes with people, but it's also don't underestimate the work that goes into hosting a retreat. I mean, you have however, 10, 15, whatever people, they come with their stories and their expectations. And, you know, it's not like you're just teaching a yoga class. And, I, and this is a very important point I'd like to make also if you think about how much to charge for yourself as a teacher. And I remember in the beginning, I was like, oh, well, okay, I teach like 10 classes. So if I calculate like $20 a class, that's like $200 for the week. And, and I was like, okay, that's all I can charge really. And it's like, oh my gosh, you have months and weeks of emailing with people, preparing the retreat, making sure it runs smoothly. You might have some marketing costs. When the retreat, when you are there, you're, you're with the people listening, you know, sometimes there's a lot of transformation happening. People really want your attention. So it's not like you're just teaching to yoga classes a day. You're holding space and you're creating a beautiful experience for them. So make sure that you charge accordingly and, um, you know, and that you feel confident to charge, you know, which doesn't mean now you have to charge $1,000 a person. Not saying that, but, you know, find, you know, your be okay with charging for what you are creating. Yeah, I think that's, um, it's also my experience, at least, that people are more invested when they pay, not too much, of course, but like uh, an amount that they feel is, is valuable for what they're getting. Mm -hmm. When something is super cheap or, or even free, People are not going to be as invested. They're not going to put as much as of themselves into it. So they're not going to get results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they also don't really trust necessarily that it can be any good. <laughs> that's funny. true as well. Yeah, that's like what we learn in our society, right? So you have to pay for something that's good. Yeah. 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 So it's really like a fine line. So you are, it's a lot of trial and error. And not to be afraid to make mistakes. I mean, like, you know, not all of my retreats were like super successful from the beginning. So I kind of found my way and uh, I'm, I'm still learning every time. It's like, you know, I always have this moment of like, oh my gosh, how is it going to be? Is it going to be good? Am I going to be good? Is it like, are people going to be happy? And, and that's beautiful too, because 
if I am ever going to be like, all right, it's just another retreat, then I probably lose some of the magic. But, you know, so that's all part of the process. You never really know. So there's also this like excitement of how is it going to be? Do you have any processes in place if something goes wrong, for example, that you get sick or um, there's, I don't know, a nature catastrophe or anything? Oh, my dear. I don't know. I mean, I you, you cannot. No, I can just say when we went to Morocco last year, it was crazy because I really thought like, oh, this is going to be such a romantic, beautiful retreat. And sure enough, the first day, when we got on the camels to go out to our desert camp, we first got hit by a sandstorm and then by a rainstorm and lightning storm and people were freaking out and we had to find shelter in another camp. We couldn't make it to our camp and things like that happened. And it was, and it was just the whole week, like one thing after the other happened. And I was always like, Oh my gosh, I don't believe this is happening. But then I shifted it to, okay, here we are. And it's so much easier to be in a beautiful villa in Ibiza, looking at the ocean with fantastic food. Here we are now in like real life. We are challenged. And this is really asking us to like step into our, yeah, into again, community. And like everybody has something different to offer. And how do we go through this week and learn from it and and support each other. And so this whole retreat became about like taking each other by the hand and, you know, and everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. And it was not what any one of us expected, but in the end, it was a really powerful retreat too. Mm. And I'm always happy to have Daniel with me because honestly, like I always feel he's like the rock in my back. And um, sometimes I'm like, if I don't know what to do, then I'll come up with a solution. So in that sense, again, collaboration is also good uh, to have at least maybe an organizer who uh, who helps you with the registration and with the location, you know, so that it's not all on your back. Like, for example, again, when people come to Costa Rica, I'm here. I know who does great massages. I know the excursions. I can help people, you know, and they can really just come and, teach their retreat and they don't have to worry about taxis picking them up from the airport or anything like that. You know? So find your partners and, and really do your research again. Yes. Yes, that's true. That's a um, good point to really, especially when you're just starting out to, to look at places that offer that kind of support. Mm -hmm. I think that's important, especially when you don't have experience yet mm -hmm. to handle any problems that would could show up if you had to pick your absolute favorite thing about organizing yoga retreats what would it be and why connection i just thrive on connection and to me it's like i don't know sharing with a bunch of people a beautiful place and activities and good food and and seeing how like smiles get bigger every day and how you know so much happens in just like a week that's like the biggest gift for me And to be able to hold the space for that and to facilitate that. I mean, I get so much back from doing that. It's really my favorite thing to do. Okay, that's great. I love that. Um, going off of that, what would be your least favorite thing? The marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> that's, that's why we have people like you to help with that <laughs> I mean I'm learning but it's just so much so it's good to have people like you to help with all that 
Well, I'm more there just to hold you accountable and to push you, right? <laughs> exactly. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, this podcast, it's called The Blissful Biz because I'm really interested in finding bliss in your business life as well. Like, you know, like for people like you who say, oh, no, I really don't like marketing. How can you find still joy in it or and not only see it as hard work? Um, so if you could give our listeners one piece of work-life balance advice, what would it be? Um, again, be real and, uh, you know, don't be too hard on yourself and just, you know, share. I mean, I always say like work smarter, not harder. So really simplify what you have to share. Don't try to do all of it. And then take your time figuring it out and don't be afraid to fail and just keep trying and really sharing from your heart and your passion what you what makes the most fun for you is going to resonate the most with the people out there. Amazing. I love it. Um, <laughs> if people want to learn more about you and your retreats and your offerings, where can they go to find you online? Well, I have two different websites. I have one website, which is uh, montezumayoga.com, Montezuma with Z. And that's basically everything that's happening in Costa Rica. Um, I'm currently redoing the website with Susanne. So it's going to yes. be even more beautiful. <laughs> I'm not sure and, if it's uh, going to be live when, uh, already when we are going to publish this podcast. It might already okay. be live. <laughs> Okay, anyway, it's going to be even more beautiful once you finish your work with it. But so basically, that's the website that's about everything in Costa Rica and where people can find information on um, hosting retreats with me or just coming on like um, an individual yoga vacation. And we combine yoga with surfing or yoga with uh, wellness or yoga with learning Spanish. And then I have my own private website, which is dagmarshbremberg.com. Um, so you, you can add the link maybe um, for my name. dagmarshbremberg.com is basically all my personal offerings, my videos, my online mentorship programs, my retreats in Ibiza, Formentera, and wherever else I'm going to be going in the future. And um, if you like to stay in touch, I recommend just signing up for the newsletter. It's one mailing list, so you can sign up for the newsletter on either one of those two websites. And I send a newsletter about once a month. And um, that's a beautiful way to stay in touch. And, and I have blog posts as the blog post as well about what we talked about today, um, tips for the retreats. And so, yeah, just check it out. I'm happy to share Lots of stuff that helped me. Lots of little tools. I share the links in the show notes for sure. Okay, perfect. So thank you so much for your time today. And this has been a really awesome conversation. And it was really cool to learn more about your journey as a yoga teacher and retreat organizer. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me and inviting me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blissful Biz Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This would mean the world to me. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss a new episode. To learn more about how to work with me one-on-one, my courses and membership, or to get instant access to freebies, workshops, and more, go to susannoreika.com right now. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Oh,